Hello, we are In Conversation, a podcast from the School of Social and Family Dynamics at Arizona State University, designed to showcase timely and informative insights from leading faculty, researchers, and other experts, which impact the ever-changing social world we live in. Here at the School of Social and Family Dynamics, we recognize that the land where we are hosting this conversation at Arizona State University belong to the Maricopa and Pima peoples, and we are privileged that we can welcome you to today's conversation. Welcome, welcome everyone. My name is Aubrey Hoffer, and I am your graduate student host of In Conversation with the School of Social and Family Dynamics. My breathtaking guest today is Brenna Hansen. Brenna is currently our business operations manager here at the School of Social and Family Dynamics, but she's been a sun devil from the start. She received both her bachelor's in political science and her master's in public administration right here at ASU. She's had a really fascinating career trajectory, working for U.S. Senator Kent Conrad and Representative Ann Kirkpatrick in Washington, D.C., before coming back to ASU. In her current role, she creates and maintains our annual budget, manages the business operations staff, and basically keeps our whole school running. She's someone who I know that I can always go to when I have questions, so I'm really happy that I get to talk to her today. Brenna, thank you so much for joining me. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. This is a new opportunity for me, so uh, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> I think we're going to be pretty good. So the podcast pretty much starts and ends the same way. I'm going to ask you three rapid fire questions. And these introductory ones are really just icebreakers to sort of get to know you better on a surface level. And then the last ones are going to be to get quick bites of your personal philosophy. The point is just try to answer them quickly and with about a sentence. How does that sound? Okay. Sounds good. Perfect. So my first question, Brenna, is what was the first concert that you ever went to? I was actually, uh, my first concert was NSYNC. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) That's super cool. My second question is what is your favorite movie genre? So I usually lean towards rom-coms, but I do like some action and I absolutely hate scary movies like absolutely hate them so what's your favorite rom-com oh uh that's a little difficult so I forced my boyfriend to watch Sleepless in Seattle last week Mm -hmm. um so that's one of my favorites and then there's some older movies like uh An Affair to Remember is a classic and then Some Like It Hot I I love Some Like It Hot (laughs) so yeah Classic. I, yeah, Marilyn Monroe is fantastic and some like it hot. So she is. And it's such a weird, kooky story that I wouldn't have placed in that period of time that they were like shooting, but um, such a great movie. Yeah, I love it. It's the ending is kind of weirdly progressive and I love it. So, yes, exactly. (laughs) Like it's a little out of what I would assume would be there, but it's fantastic. Yeah. All right, Brenna. So the last question is, what have you most enjoyed reading recently? There's this book that I actually got for somebody else. And then once they were finished, they gave it, I like borrowed it back, but um, it's called like the quackery and it's about the medical history. So 
uh, like the medical history of surgery and all these other things. And it's slightly terrifying and I'm so glad to be living in this time and age. Cool. All right, Brenna. So one of the things that is so interesting when I was looking at your resume is that you and I have actually really similar backgrounds in a lot of ways, because both of us got our bachelor's in poli-sci here at ASU. Both of us did a little bit of work in DC and then kind of had this interesting little like jump and then ended up here back at the School of Social and Family Dynamics. So I was hoping that you could just talk to me a little bit about what your transition has been like. Why did you do your bachelor's in poli-sci? What led you to DC? And then what brought you back over here? Yes, sure. Uh, so it's, to take a long story to make it short, um, I got into politics, like invested and interested in politics when I was about 13, maybe 14. Um, so I got involved um, when I graduated high school, I started an internship in the governor's office. Um, then, so obviously like by that point in time, I was on track to do political science. I was like, I have to be involved. I enjoyed the thought and focus of being able to help people in various ways. And I thought, you know, politics is, it has an immediate impact on our day-to-day -day lives. So, um, so yeah, I got into poli-sci, uh, did a couple of internships um, outside. So uh, I was on a campaign in 2010 um, for an Arizona uh, position. And then uh, let's see what else. I was in DC for an internship as well. I enjoyed it. I got to do a lot of capital tours. I don't know if you're aware, but congressional interns do capital tours as well. So I could kind of, I briefly remember some of the stuff that's from the Capitol too. So, um, but then after that, I graduated and I wanted to go back to DC. I actually really love the city. It's just so fun. There's so much to do. There's, you can walk everywhere. It's so green, which is very different from Arizona. So you're just like, eh, you know, try it out. Um, and I got an internship with Senator Conrad and then eventually that turned into an actual position. Um, he was very budget oriented. So he was actually the chairman of the budget committee in the Senate. And I think that's where my interest in the budget started actually. And um, I went over to uh, Representative Kirkpatrick's office and by that point in time, I was starting to feel like I, this didn't exactly fit. This wasn't exactly where I wanted to be. And so I eventually, uh, I quit and then returned back to Arizona. And I was like, okay, budgets are what really interested me. Uh, so I went, started, uh, started at ASU because I knew I was gonna go back for my master's and I wanted something that was gonna be more finance or budget related. Um, started my master's program in a MPA and then was continually working. So I was doing both my master's and working. So I was able to actually apply what I was learning into my day-to-day -day job, which was nice. So, and then, you know, eventually worked my way up to my current position. 
That's super cool. So when you were working with uh, Senator Conrad, what got you interested in like working with a budget? Was that just a totally different experience for you? It was. So I never had actually, my dad's actually a CPA. Oh, wow. And uh, there was one day during, like I got sick and I had to stay at my dad's office. He was self-employed so I could just lay there or whatever. And I thought it was the most boring thing upon the face of the earth. And so I completely mixed that from a possibility of anything I would be interested in and then get to Senator Conrad's office. And it was uh, intriguing to see how all these budgets and all the planning and all of the pieces that go into a budget. There's so much that goes into a budget. And it sounds when you look at spreadsheets, you're like, that looks like a jumble of numbers and it's boring. But when you're in there and you're moving things around and you're trying you're trying to create a picture of where you want the school to go or whatever it happens to be. And that's where you start making your investments. And so you start making that, like the numbers fit so you can get to where you wanna be. And that's what I find very interesting. Yeah, I think that's a really lovely way of putting it. <laughs> no, it is of like painting a picture of, you know, whatever, however you want the, you know, organization, school, whatever, where you want that to be going. So. I guess when you think about our school, what kind of picture are you trying to paint with us? Oh, that's a good question. Um, we have so much talent within our school. We have so many driven individuals who are doing so many interesting pieces. We have so much talent and so much knowledge on all these different areas that are of great interest, especially currently, and have an impact on you know, our day-to-day -day lives, whether it's dealing with uh, relationships or dealing with the aging process or dealing with trauma um, and especially dealing with that in school. These are all relevant topics that impact our day-to-day -day lives. And so how can I assist in amplifying and supporting that effort? And how can I also find ways to so, okay, so we have a bunch of grad students, right? And they have a lot of interests. And how can we, and some of those, most likely those interests will align with where we're kind of going, right? So how can I better support our grad students to better support our centers and initiatives or the focus of our faculty to better support our outcomes? So that's kind of the plan, the process. It's kind of vague, but once you get into the details, you're like, okay, this goes here, this goes there, that kind of thing. Yeah, no, I think that's a really great way of putting it. I mean, it's very clear that, you know, you are so invested in what everyone in our school is doing. And I think that that's what's so cool about, you know, all of you guys who are involved in these administrative roles is that you're all incredibly invested in the work that everyone on the research side is doing and it's it's just great like there's that great synergy there so I was hoping that you could talk to us a little bit about what does your day-to-day -day look like? So your position title is that you're the business operations manager. And what I always know you as is whenever I have a question about my paycheck or I'm confused about what money I have, or like, you know, I got some direct deposit and I'm like, oh my God, what is this? I need to email Prana right now. But what, what does your day-to-day -day look like? 
So the day-to-day -day obviously changes every single day, but um, so there are definitely questions like that that occur. Um, staying on top of forecasting. So that's a huge piece in being able to assist us in where we can, do we have funds to invest? And then where's the best place for us to invest? Um, there's figuring out, you know, where personnel is all gonna land. There's figuring out what kind of investments in like equipment and things like that. What do we need for the next, you know, next year for the next five years? Um, what are our goals for the next five years? So you usually have, you know, a two to three year plan and then a five year plan and, or, you know, five to 10 year plan or something like that. And so how can we allocate funds? And it, I hate using the term human capital because it kind of makes you feel like I am just a piece, but it's kind of leveraging our labor, the time that we put into our jobs. How can we make that work for our long-term goals as well. Um, so a lot of it is, so we have quarterly forecasting that happens usually October, December, March, and then we do new fiscal year planning in April. Um, we have summer funding. So I also oversee HR. So summer funding is always a little bit hectic because people are going from 1.0 FTE to 0.5 FTE or changing their mapping per, you know, grants and that type of thing. Um, there's purchasing every single day. There's new hires. There's, um, oh, I'm trying to think of anything else. It's just, and then you have Dean's requests and things like that, or there's, um, trying to put some long-term planning in place for different things. So we're kind of working out a communications plan currently so we can continue to boost um, knowledge about what our faculty and our researchers are doing, things like that, so. That's so interesting. It's, you know how people always like ask the question, like, are you a big picture person or like a detail oriented person? And it sounds like in your position that you're sort of both all the time because <laughs> it's like you're doing all of these like very fine details, but then you're also thinking about like, what does this look like in two years, five years? And I'm sure you're thinking even further beyond that. It is a little bit of both. Um, so I, in my previous positions, it's definitely more smaller picture, the day-to-day -day purchasing and monthly reconciliations and payroll reconciliations and things like that. So you have that going on every couple weeks, every month, every day. Um, and then as you get further and further into this career, it becomes a little bit more bigger picture because you're dealing with the forecasting and things like that. So, um, you know, things kind of shift and it'll be interesting to see what the next couple of years will look like yeah. for the position, so. Well, it's so interesting. Like, so my assumption is when you're talking about forecasting that that's sort of like imagining what the budget will look like in the future. Yes, yes. So, so we do, um, so every year we do a forecast, our annual, it's pretty much our annual budget, what we plan on spending. So this includes um, what they term all, all other operating. And so that's like supplies, equipment, 
mis miscellaneous expenses. But, um, and then you also have the largest portion of our, our expenses, which is salary, right? Um, so you're figuring out, okay, where, where can we fit all these people? I think the hardest part that I have though is figuring out the revenue. That's a piece that I'm still fine tuning. Um, but it's been, it's been, this sounds weird, but it, it's been fun playing with the budgets and seeing what can fit where and how to best, how to best make things fit for our long-term plans. Yeah. So when it comes to forecasting, obviously the pandemic was not something anyone could have forecasted. So did that just like totally throw a wrench in like your sort of work experience or have you been able to sort of navigate through that pretty seamlessly? I wouldn't call it seamlessly, um, but I would say that I've been able to navigate through it. Um, it has obviously given us you know, new, new challenges. Um, but, you know, there's been a lot of support from others and um, we always have the Dean's office. We can back questions, you know, they have like, years of experience in comparison to me. So I, when I ask them questions like, what's going to work? Where should I put this? Or, you know, I have this expense, can I go here? not so much that, but, you know, like you're able to use them as a resource to an extent. Um, but honestly, the pandemic was a trial by fire um, to an extent. And we've managed to get, knock on wood, we've managed to get through it. And um, I've been pleasantly surprised at how well my projections have been. So Good. Well, that's great to hear. So one thing that I found really interesting is you mentioned how your dad is a CPA and, you know, you've also had this experience sort of managing a budget at the sort of governmental level. Now you're doing it at sort of the uh, like institutional level. My assumption is your dad is probably in more of like the private sectory. So what did you notice any big differences when it came to sort of budget planning within the university system versus your experience at more of that like governmental level or did you feel that they were pretty synonymous? So ASU is still technically a government entity yeah. so they kind of budget similarly where you have specific funds that are uh, you can only spend these funds in a specific manner. So you have to be very careful about what you put on this specific account, but this specific account can be more or less a free-for-all. So yeah. you're like, okay, I need to make sure that only this gets there and then I can shove everything else onto this account. And if there's something else, like could we have, I'm trying to think we have, um, like three different types, uh, four, four different types of revenue accounts. And they all have their own different stipulations. And so you're trying four or five. Now I'm having to think through this. <laughs> four or five, and they all have their own different stipulations of how you can spend um, and what you can spend on. And, uh, you know, and then, and I'm not even touching grants. Grants are a whole different beast that I don't, 
fully understand, nor do I want to get that close to. I'm perfectly fine leaving our RA team in charge. I'm glad Makasa is there to take that over. And um, I'll, I'll stay with my state and local accounts. So. so I guess that brings up another question is that, you know, you manage our business operations staff. Can you tell us a little bit about who they are and, you know, sort of what their positions are? Sure. So uh, we have our HR specialist, Sue Tabor, and she is fantastic. I love her. Um, she will assist with uh, processing payroll actions. So that's if there's a new hire, termination, a transfer, things of that nature, promotion, anything like that. Um, she also does the actual new hire process. So when, when we're down people, we need to go hire people. So she helps in that process and posting it, which I'm super grateful for because I don't like doing that process. Um, she also assists with approving hours and payroll reconciliation. And we do that to ensure for like audit purposes. Um, also maintaining the file, the records for that because we also have to present those if there's any um, issues or questions then we have to have the backup for that to confirm that this is this was a valid action. Um, and then we have the business operations specialist and she helps me with the day-to-day -day activities. So the purchasing, the re monthly reconciliations, um, assisting with like petty, uh, petty cash accounts, um, any kind of, if they're using local funds, look, mostly it's using local or some state. So if they have a startup account, faculty have a startup account, sometimes it's on a state account. So, um, you know, just making sure those purchases are abiding or aligning with um, university and college guidelines. Um, also maintaining the records for that. Uh, we have our RA team. So Mikasa um, is our RA lead and she's overseeing I don't know how many grants awards we have right now, but I think it's 30 something. I might be completely off on that one, but um, she's overseeing all of that, making sure that those budgets are being handled and monitored correctly um, and coming up with policies that align with the university and ensure like a smooth process. And overall, our hope is to continue to work to create more efficient processes for purchasing and other hiring or whatever happens to be so that everything it's clear what those rules and guidelines are and it's an easy easier process for everybody else to follow as well because um, we know that there's a lot of rules there's a lot of manuals with specific you know guidelines that we have to follow and sometimes they don't make sense or you're like, wait, why do I have to do this very mundane or monotonous or atrocious process? <laughs> it's like, well, the state's requiring us to, so. <laughs> yeah. It's so fascinating to me because, you know, so you manage that whole team, you really are, you know, in charge of our budget, you do so much. And I don't want to make any assumptions <laughs> on your 
age or anything, but you seem like you're so young to be in this position that you're in. I mean, do you feel like that's just been, you know, you've really just been able to sort of continue to advance in your career at this sort of rapid pace? Because it's so interesting looking at your resume because it seems like it's like, okay, you were an operations specialist, then you were the senior specialist, and now you're this manager. And it's like your trajectory is just like so quick. And is that something that you had really sort of done intentionally or did this just sort of happen? A little bit of both. Um, I am a very driven individual and I'm not the most patient human being upon the face of the earth. So um, I always like to I like to be engaged in the work that I'm doing. I like to be interested in the work that I'm doing and um, doing some of the smaller, like the day-to-day -day purchasing and things like that only holds so much interest, right? So I wanted to get more and more involved in the forecasting and planning for future years. And so that kind of helped drive it. Um, also getting my master's assisted me in being able to progress quicker than I would have otherwise. So. Um, a little bit of planning involved, but a lot of just hard work and having a good opportunity to get my foot in the door and then just bust through the door. Yeah, well, it seems like you've busted through the door and now you're just like, I don't even know, like running <laughs> up the stairs. It's really cool to see. So what, like, when we think about that trajectory, I mean, where do you want to continue to go? Do you feel like right now you're like, I've made it, this is kind of the top step or, you know, what is your advancement going to look like? You know, when I got to this position, I actually really thought, I was like, okay, I'm going to sit and settle in this position for a while, get to really know it, become an expert in it. Um, and not to say that I don't want to become an expert in some of the things that I'm doing, but I have also enjoyed some of the bigger picture and strategy planning that I've gotten be, to be able to dabble in recently. So I see myself pursuing more that stuff as well. Um, I'm hoping to build a good team that's going to be able to do some of the stuff that I'm currently doing. And then that's going to allow me some freer time to, you know, continue to support and strengthen and grow the knowledge of our school and where we're going to go. Yeah, I love that. I, it's so cool listening to you talk because it's clear that, you know, you're so driven and you've got this passion and I just, I feel like you're just going to end up running this place someday. <laughs> like. <laughs> So because you're such a motivated and I'm sure very busy person, talk to me a little bit about what is your work-life balance like? Is that something that you feel comfortable in right now? Is it something you still struggle with? Definitely something I still struggle with. So being as driven as I have been over the last several years, I probably haven't created the work-life balances, like the, you know, healthy lifestyle that I'm supposed to. Um, but with, oddly enough, with the pandemic, it's kind of reinforced the idea like, hey, you kind of need to put some boundaries up and, you know, make sure you're doing something. So, you know, I've started doing more yoga because the amount of like mental power, the me mental energy that you have to put towards doing yoga, like that initial piece, 
isn't as high as like weightlifting. And so I'm like, okay, yoga, I can stick to yoga. Um, and then I've tried to do some more meditation to kind of, you know, just calm things down. Um, and that's been helping. And then, you know, on the going out and seeing people, obviously that's been hurt dramatically because of the pandemic. So uh, fingers crossed, we can all get vaccine very soon and kind of start doing things. I'm hoping to do some like kayaking this summer and stuff like that. So we'll see. That's cool. And you were telling me before we started recording that you've hiked the Grand Canyon. So it sounds like you're a pretty outdoorsy type. I attempt to be. So usually I just, I have brothers. And so I usually tag along with my one brother who always has some river rafting trip or backpacking trip or camping trip. And he's like, oh, I'm, me and my buddies are going to do this. And I'm like, okay, I'll join. <laughs> I love that. That's so cool. So one thing that I'm interested in too is, you know, if we have any students who are listening right now and they think that they might want to get into sort of an administrative role at a university, you know, what advice do you have for them? What would you say to them if they think that that's something that they want to pursue? I mean, there's definitely a lot of options available, especially at ASU. Well, maybe not especially at ASU, but there's a lot of options available, Um, you know, finding your interest, I think that's kind of the hardest part of, as a student is finding where your interest lies and trying to figure out what that long-term plan is. Because like I said, I start, or like we all just, we discussed earlier, I started out as political science and then I ended up in budgeting and finances. And so uh, it's difficult to be like, oh, well, you need to do this, 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 and this, because your plan is most likely going to change, right? Um, but I, I think, you know, it, it's dependent upon where, where you end up wanting to go in terms of like an administrative position, but um, taking the opportunities to be a student worker is an interesting, it allows you opportunities to see the inner workings of the office, um, I was a student worker at ASU as well. And I joined with an HR team and like was going through file like records that had carbon copies still in them, which was interesting. Um, Cause, and then you get the question cause I was younger and they're like, do you even know what carbon copies are? I was like, yes, I know what carbon copies are. <laughs> but um, actually getting into a staff position um, oh, I don't know. Like, it's, it's kind of just dependent upon where your interest lies, right? And um, there's so many different opportunities within the ASU staff that you could go with several different options um, available to you. And depending on the degree, like, there's just so many different options. There's IT, you have finance, you have HR, you have um, they have specific accounting. They have such a myriad of places to go. So I'm not sure if that's at all helpful, but. No, I think that's incredibly helpful. I mean, I especially like what you said about, you know, 
I mean, I think what it translates to is just having that flexibility and understanding that, you know, you can have the most uh, detailed plan there is. And, you know, as long as you're open to that changing, I think that a lot of new opportunities arise. So. Yes, definitely. Like I said, I was gung-ho on being in political science and then I was like, no, no, this isn't really for me. So. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I was exactly the same way. I graduated, uh, well, I got my bachelor's in poli-sci, and I was lucky enough to be able to work in D.C., uh, you know, doing some policy work for the National Network to End Domestic Violence, thought I was 100% on the law school track, and pretty much by the end of my first day, I was like, I am not on the law school track, (laughs) And I just thought about what I loved and what brought me joy. And I realized that it was all of my wonderful FHD classes. So, you know, it's just, it takes a lot of uh, courage to be able to say, hey, this thing that I thought I was going to do forever is actually not what I want to do forever. And to make that pivot. And I think it's really cool that, you know, you're an example of someone who made that pivot and you've just continued to excel. Yeah, it's been an interesting route that I've gone. And the thing is, is that at the end of the day, I still really like, so obviously I like budgets, but I also enjoy the piece of like working in the congressional or working in the um, DC office and getting to meet with constituents and with advocacy groups and things like that. Like they're interesting because you get to learn, it was, as much of a learning experience for me as it was for them. And so, um, you know, the path forward for our school is also including more community engagement. Like ASU is starting to, or has been focusing on more community engagement because we are a huge footprint on Tempe and even the downtown area. And so it's, like, okay, we need to work with our communities, right? And there's so much to learn from those who are deeply involved in our communities and supporting those who, you know, need the assistance. So um, I think that's going to be an interesting focus going forward as well. Right. And I think that's awesome. I think community outreach is something that, you know, we as ASU, we do have such a big footprint on Tempe. And I think it's important that we, you know, make this a symbiotic relationship, right, where we're sort of giving to the community. And in doing so, the community will continue to just enrich ASU even more. So I think that's a fantastic, you know, thing that you want to strive for. And I'm really excited to watch, you know, you continue to bring up these outreach opportunities to us. Yeah, well, it's also uh, a focus of uh, our director, Scott Brooks. Like he's been focusing on wanting to boost our community engagement. And um, I know he's done some work with athletes um, in, in that area. And I think there's just, we have so much to give. To the community right because we have the hope center we have the child uh, child children's equity project the child equity project i can't remember which one cep um and you know we've worked with disi and super and so we have good places to start from and just growing those and finding new ways that we can 
enrich our communities as well, because like I said, we have so much knowledge and expertise that can really impact, you know, others' lives. I love that, Brenna. You are truly, um, and I don't want to call you a tool, but you are someone who has the ability to really help us as researchers just continue to enhance our work, to bring it to the people who actually matter. And I just think that you are just so invaluable. So I want to say thank you so much for having this conversation with me today. And before we start to wrap up, was there sort of anything that you wanted to end on or anything you wanted to sort of let our audience at large know about? Um, no, not particularly. I really appreciate the time that you've given me to talk to you and to kind of share a little bit about what I do, where, you know, what I'm involved with in the school. Um, hopefully, you know, nobody's afraid to contact me if they have questions or concerns. Um, and, you know, I'm available to discuss whatever may come up. Um, I know that there's, you know, there's definitive separations between like staff and faculty and students and, you know, but at the end of the day, we're all trying to have a successful school. We're trying to support our students and support our researchers and our, our teaching faculty as well, because we all have to work together. At the end of the day, this whole school does not function without one of those groups. So, um, it's been interesting and fun to kind of share that piece. Yeah, we are all essential. And I love having this podcast as a platform where I'm really able to just continue to elevate these voices because I think it's so important that, you know, all of us know how essential each piece is. And I have such great admiration for you. And I am just so happy that I've gotten to talk to you. Yeah, I'm, I really appreciate, again, I appreciate the time you've taken and it's been fun to talk to you and I'm super happy that you've been doing these. I, I know this has to be an interesting experience for a grad student and uh, an intriguing way to pursue going further in your career too. Yeah, so let's transition to our sort of deep questions to end on. So these questions, Brenna, are just going to be sort of deeper cuts. I'm interested in just knowing a little bit more about your personal philosophy. So with these, feel free to expand on them as much as you want, or if you want to keep them brief, that's okay too. Okay. So the first question is, what are you excited about? Oh, uh, you know, I, this is going to sound a little geeky, but um, I've been doing some Excel training and getting to learn more about the reporting, the programming language, and getting into SQL and things like that. So that's been something that I've been looking at. I've also been trying to learn Italian just because it sounds really pretty. And apparently we're supposed to learn languages. So I'm trying that. Um, but yeah, the continuing to expand my career and expand the skills and knowledge that I have has been exciting. I love that. My second question, Brenna, is what is the worst career advice you've ever gotten? Oh, uh, you know, I maybe it's bad memory or maybe I just blocked it out. I don't feel like I've had any specific like bad like 
bad knowledge or bad recommendations or anything like that. But I think one of the things that I've learned the most being in, because I've had a few different jobs, I've been in a few different offices, is it's really great to be in an office where you have really good supervisors and managers and bosses who really support you. And that's all good. And it's a good learning environment to kind of learn what you really like. But it's also kind of helpful to know what you really don't like. And so having some of those bad supervisors or bad bosses or things like that can really be an, an opportunity to learn. Obviously don't stay there for very long because uh, it can be very toxic and that's not good for you. But um, it's, it's kind of along the lines of you learn a lot from the, or you learn the most from the mistakes you make. So it's kind of along that lines where it's like, you learn what you don't want to do in an office space. I think that's great. I love that you've taken those experiences that you've had and you've turned them into learning experiences. I think that's really great. So my final question, Brenna, is what is one rule that you would want everyone to follow? I think especially during this pandemic, um, you know, we're all going through a lot and just trying to be easier on each other, easier on ourselves and easier to others is uh, key because we're all, like I said, we're all going through a lot. There's been a lot of transitions. There's been a lot of changes. We're all dealing with pandemic and dealing with, um, you know, the struggles that come with that. And so just try being easier on ourselves and others because, you know, there's only so much we can do in a day, right? Yeah. I think that was beautifully said. <laughs> so I just want to say, Brenna, thank you again. And that was my conversation with Brenna Hansen. I hope that all of you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed having it. So thank you so much and bye. Have a good day. Thank you. Bye. Connect with us and get access to all of our podcasts by visiting thesanfordschool.asu.edu forward slash podcast, where you will also find links to all of our social media channels. This conversation has come to an end but our work here continues. <laughs>